Hello, hello. Welcome to this episode of Pinkie Pod. How are you doing out there? Are you doing? Well, I'm doing something a little different for this episode. I haven't researched anything. I haven't written anything. I just got this random idea to find maybe some recent or recent-ish paranormal news. And then I looked up some UFO news and came across definitely this one website, which is ufos.news with a shit ton of stories down along. Like the, the titles of some of these look pretty cool. So I thought we would, not quite a live broadcast, but we will find out together if any of this is interesting. Does that sound fun? I think it sounds fun. We'll see uh, how it goes. Also, I just have the window open. I turned the fan off, but I have the window open. So we'll see what kind of sounds we get. Just screw it, right? Also, mm, let me have a little sip of something here. Get, get an ice, ice, baby. <sighs> I have discovered, what the hell have I discovered? I suddenly am blanking on what it's called. Maybe I should stop drinking. Um, and don't worry, it's after lunch. Okay, I'm not that much of an alcoholic. <laughs> Honestly, what is this arbitrary time thing? People in airports, you know, drink it for breakfast. Who made up this time? Just, just curious. I don't know. I don't really care. What the hell is this thing called? I, it'll come to me later. I'm, yeah. Aviation. There we go. The aviation. Pretty tasty. This is one of those pre-mixed ones, though, by um, On The Rocks. Actually, it's quite good. Comes in a little glass bottle. Give it a try. I've been enjoying it. So, what did I say? We're just going to do something really different, weird here. I'm going to read you some shit. Um, you're going to hear maybe a car go by. Kisu is just sitting in the window cleaning himself right now and biting his own toenails. Yes, he has a habit. It's probably good, though, because they are definitely murder claws. No, I'm not drunk, but let's see if I am by the end of this, shall we? So the first thing I came across was paranormaldailynews.com. And this, uh, the subtitle here, the story is Ghostly Testimony Convicts a Murderer. I thought, okay, that sounds interesting. And no, I didn't read ahead, so I have no idea what this is going to be, be about. We're doing this together. For real. Let's see. I better give proper attribution. This is by Temperance Dawn. And this was July 24th, 2021. So very, very recent. And away we go. In the quiet town of Portsmouth, Rhode Island, lies an old home. Known today as the Valley Inn Restaurant. Oh my God, they have a restaurant here? Oh, what's going to happen? It sits on the original footprint of a site where a mysterious death took place. It isn't so much the age of the inn that draws people to it, or the mysterious death that happened. What is it, the food? Must be really good food. It isn't even the knowledge of a man once convicted of murder lived there. It's not? Do tell us, Temperance. 
What draws people to this old historic structure is the fantastic story of a ghost's testimony that led to the conviction and execution of a man. Holy shit, I think I picked a good one. Are you with me? In 1673, Rebecca Briggs, parenthetical, Cornell, was found in her room. Doing what we don't know. Apparently dead. Doesn't mean she just found in her room. She could have been just, you know, like brushing her hair, la la la, or having an affair. I don't know. Oh, wait. Temperance is going to tell us. I told you there was going to be commentary. Deal with it. Her son, Thomas Cornell Jr., lived with her and found her lying dead on the floor. It had appeared that she had fallen and hit her head. <laughs> she fell and she couldn't get up. Yeah, I know. Come on, I had to. The fall landed the upper part of her body in the fireplace. That's an awkward sentence, Temperance, but I'm with you. She was burned from the shoulders up. What seemed to be an unfortunate accident quickly turned into a murder investigation. We, We don't know why, but I'm assuming they thought somebody pushed her in. Okay. A few days later, Rebecca's brother, John Briggs, who also lived in Portsmouth, awoke in the middle of the night. He claimed that the apparition of his dead sister stood in his room. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. The frightening visit from his sister prompted Mr. Briggs to go to the authorities and demand an investigation into the murder of Rebecca. So I guess that's why they investigated. Really? Did they take that seriously? You want me to believe that? Well, Tempers explains to us. With it being the time of the witch trials, people were, understandably, in a frenzy over the story that John Briggs told. His nephew Thomas, the only plausible suspect during that time, was arrested and put on trial. Do I never heard of anything like this, have you guys? (laughs) And remarkably, oh, he was convicted solely on the extraordinary testimony of his dead mother. Oh, this took, wow, I was not expecting this. Thomas Briggs Jr. was hanged a short time later. You guys, this is a real story, by the way. I'm not even making fun here. They found him guilty and executed him based on ghost testimony. (laughs) So he was buried on the property in an unmarked grave. It's always unmarked, isn't it? And for 350 years... It has been believed that John Briggs saw his dead sister who told him her son was her killer. That is, twist, until a paranormal investigation team recently went in and uncovered details about the case and the family that went unnoticed for over three centuries. Yeah, how is this not a bigger story? How has this never been... Is this been in any podcasts? I've never heard of this. Well, I hope I get to be the one to do it. Here we go. So upon the paranormal investigation conducted by the Kindred Spirits crew from the Travel Channel. Oh, hey, I just got Discovery Plus and I remember seeing the, um, I think I saw that. Kindred Spirits? Well, now I'm definitely going to watch it. Does anybody out there watch it? So what a quinky dink. I swear I didn't plan any of this. I will have to look up that episode. Uh, So Kindred Spirits crew from the Travel Channel. It was discovered that John Briggs was an important figure in the community. Anything he said would have been believed. (laughs) 
reminds me of something. <laughs> can, hmm, hmm, can we put our finger on it? Okay. It was also discovered that there might have been some bad blood between Rebecca and her son. Well, you think? And fire, it sounds like. Leading to John and others within the community to think that he had a motive to commit murder and take his mother's life. Well, well yes, temperance. Murder is generally taking someone's life. However, when studying the original court transcripts, the shocking revelation of John Briggs' true statement was discovered. Oh, so in his testimony, he actually never stated his sister named her killer. The documents only state that he had seen Rebecca in his room where she said, Look at how I am burned. Look at me. Uh, I'm dramatizing a bit for the sake of entertainment. During the investigation of the inn, the crew believed that they were communicating with the spirits of Thomas Cornell Jr. and John Briggs. In a surprising twist of events, it seems the spirit of Thomas outed his uncle by confirming that he was put to death by hearsay. Gossip in the time of deep spiritualism and fear of the devil drove the townspeople mad with a desire for revenge. Revenge for a crime that most likely never took place. I'm going to guess that the bish was probably doing a little day drinking just like me. It was a daytime. I forgot. And she kind of like stumbled a little bit. Oh, oh my God. I am falling into the fire. Someone save me. Help. Help. I am falling in the fire. Dog is poking my ow. <coughs> I am sincerely not drunk, by the way. That's just my personality. You don't want to be around me when I'm drunk, okay? Or maybe you do. So during the same investigation, the spirit of John Briggs became angry when he was told the truth would come out and everyone would finally know that he wrongfully aided and allowed his nephew to be hanged for a murder that never happened. From the amount of evidence captured, it seems fair to conclude that John Briggs caught wind of tension between his sister and nephew, possibly lending credibility to a motive that Thomas wanted to get rid of Rebecca. Perhaps the spirit of Rebecca did visit John, but the fact remains he never once stated that she named her killer or even that she was murdered. So what drove John Briggs to allow the execution of his sister's son? Could he have been afraid of backlash from the community after the rumors had already begun to spread? After all, it was not acceptable during that time to go against the status quo. Was he afraid of being implicated himself if it came to his nephew's defense? Or was there indeed a belief hidden within all of the speculations that Thomas did commit murder? We may never know for sure, but the truth remains. Thomas Cornell Jr. was convicted and executed on nothing more than circumstantial evidence backed by the incredible otherworldly witness. Girl, you're not the only one. I watch a lot of true crime. I listen to a lot of true crime. I know I was just listening to a case the other day, and even though I think the guy was totally guilty, they completely convicted him on circumstantial evidence. I, I think he did it, but I don't think they proved it. Anyway. In fact, two other juries had the same opinion because there was twice a mistrial. But back to our story. There aren't many places in the United States where you can visit a suspected crime scene over three centuries old. Honey, you have not been around if you think that. As a matter of fact, there are plenty of places. <laughs> 
However, the Valley Inn in Rhode Island is a historical destination not to be missed. Although the original home of the Cornells burned down in the mid-1800s, it was rebuilt by the Cornell family using the original blueprints of the first home, and it sits on the same foundation. In 1892, 200 years after Rebecca Cornell's death or murder, who knows, the house was reconstructed to replicate the original, in case you didn't catch that. Today, visitors can see the property and dine in the restaurant. The Cornell Family Cemetery is there as well, situated not far from the main house. So go wine and dine with some spirits, y'all, and listen to the gossip. And I like to imagine they're probably sitting there bitching at each other back and forth. I can't believe you had my son killed. I didn't, I didn't say he murdered me. I said he tried to put the fire out. Sorry, I couldn't come up with something that would rhyme right off the top of my head. Murdered, smurdered, schlurdered flirted he was flirting with me that's it it was incest oh you probably kill him for that anyway okay thomas cornell jr's grave is believed to have been located recently around this area uh they used ground penetrating radar apparently i really have to watch this kindred spirits episode now don't you because i'm really this turned out to be a good story the property owner has said that not too many paranormal events happen stating that Periodically, strange things do occur. The spirits that reside at the location seem to be pretty tame and keep to themselves. They're probably embarrassed, y'all. It's evident that the captivating story linked to the home draws many people to dine at the inn. The atmosphere alone transports people to another time. The stone walls and old wooden beams are original to the 19th century rebuild. It's truly a destination that should be experienced. And the striking resemblance to the Amityville house with its arched upper floor windows, are sure to attract anyone's attention and intrigue. It's no wonder it's on many paranormal enthusiasts' bucket lists. After learning about it, it's definitely at the top of mine. She said that, not me, but I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with her. Like, yeah, I kind of want to check this thing out now. Whoa, and I scrolled, scrolled. <laughs> that was a subliminal. Down to uh, the life of Aleister Crowley. It is one of those pictures where he's just staring at me like one of, if you've ever Googled him, it's like probably one of the top bow tie looking insane. Shall we, shall I read this one? This is by Clarice. Hello, Clarice. July 4th, 2021. Oh, what is, what does she say about him? We'll kind of skim it. He was deemed the wickedest man in the world was also an influential influential figure in the Western, Western esoteric traditions. I've mentioned him in my podcast before. He comes across things sometimes, especially tarot, my tarot edition. Furthermore, he's not forgotten since his death on December 1st, 1947. Da, 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 da. So let's skim a little here. The occult pioneer was born on October 12th, 1875 in Leamington. What's SPA? Anyone? Anyone? Is he British? I should know this. That's definitely not a state. What's SPA then? Where is that? In I don't know y'all's abbreviations. I'm already screwed. Because I... Spa. He was known as Edward Alexander Crowley until he adopted the Gaelic form of his given name. Yeah, Alistair. He was from a wealthy family, but he was very uh, critical of his parents. I'm tr truncating it here. And then he went to Trinity College. Yeah, that's that's in Europe, yeah? Uh, at the University of Cambridge. Yes, thank you. And he actually studied poetry and mountaineering. <laughs> so 
According to some biographers, this is when he was allegedly introduced into the British Intelligent Intelligence Agency. That's one I didn't know about him. It suggested the man that everyone feared had lived as a spy throughout his life. Was everybody afraid of Crowley? I don't know about that. So supposedly he detested Christianity, which is supported by his several anti-Semitic sentiments, but he was still very spiritual and religious. I find this to be oddly written. Um, you don't have to be Christian to be spiritual and religious. So there are other religions, sweetie. That's, I find that a very strange statement. In 1898, he was recruited into the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, and he practiced an applied ceremony. All of a sudden, I, can, I need to drink more. Maybe aliens will give me my tongue back. I did so well on that first story, didn't I? Maybe it's a sign. Maybe I shouldn't be reading this terrible article. The ceremonial magic under the care of Alan Bennett and Samuel Liddell McGregor Mathers. Wow, what a name. He uh, apparently got even more interested in mountain pursuits. <laughs> Traveled to India. Da, 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 da. He has been described to have explored. That is an actual word for word. Okay. Belief systems of Kabbalah, Judeo-Kabbalah, comma, Judeo-Christian, comma. Okay. Yoga and Hermeticism. Rose Edith Kelly married him in 1904. And they set their honeymoon in Cairo, Egypt. And yes, now we'll get to it. This is where his, his life was supposedly changed forever. Some of you may have heard of this part. He claimed that a supernatural entity named Iwas, A-I-W-A-S-S, had contacted him and lent him the Book of Law. Have you heard about that? At least, maybe, some of you? The Book of Law, right? Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. You heard that? That's Crowley and the Book of Toth. This was then to be the sacred text of Crowley's established Thelema religion, T-H-E-L-E-M-A. You didn't know you were suddenly getting a crash course on this. You were like, wait, I, I told you it was going to be an Anything Goes episode. Okay. It was the start of Aeon of Horus. Horus is a, a god, H-O-R-U-S. Uh, look him up. As the trustee of the book, Crowley was hailed as the prophet of Thelemites. The era of Osiris, or some people say Osiris, and Isis represented the previous ages where the era of Isis was a period of matriarchy. In contrast, the area of Osiris displayed the power of the patriarchy. Additionally, Osiris's generation has set a great emphasis on religious sacrifices, yet the followers believe that the era of Horus was the time for individualism. This was taken from the Egyptian belief that Horus struck his own so he could learn and grow. Yeah, he killed his own father, right? In Thelema, figures like Hadit Nuit, that's night, like the night sky, a night sky goddess, very cool, look her up. Rahurkut, pardon me, are revered as the deities that guide the believers. They are equated to the Egyptian gods and goddesses, such as Horus, Osiris, and I. Yes, are we redundant much here? They may be seen as literal beings or archetypes, as long as Crowley's works are viewed canon, can, I can never say this word, as canon. There, I fixed it. I don't have to say it. It's, it's canonically, canonically. <laughs> That's so awkward. As canon. The interpretation of the book is left to the individual understanding of the followers. That sounds very familiar. So 
since I'm giving you the little crash course here in Thelema. Uh, a law of Thelema states that Thelemites should strive to ascend into a higher state of existence, unite the self to higher powers, and embrace the true will as their ultimate place and purpose in life. Every man and woman is a star, and love is the law, law under will. The former refers to the perspective that everyone possesses unique abilities, potentials, and talents. Hey, you know, I can agree with that. Therefore, no one has the right to impede in their search for true self. On the other hand, the latter indicates that each person is entangled with their true will using love. Quote, as someone learns to love, they come to discover that it's founded on unity and understanding and never on coercion of force. Now, why are people afraid of him? Okay, well, let's see. At one point in 1920, he moved to Sicily to build the ab abbey, an actual abbey of Thelema. He went beyond his spiritual enlightenment by declaring himself as the Ip Ipsissimus, roughly translated as beyond the gods in 1921. And after two years, he began engaging with drugs and sexual endeavors. Like, you know, he did like sex magic. And a lot of people around that time would have thought that was pretty creepy and weird with both men and women. And, uh, you know, for some that was very taboo back then. Now, some Englishmen not long after that passed away under mysterious circumstances and it followed a ritual in which it said that they con that he had consumed cat's blood. Um, to say that the Italian fascist and British press are appalled is an utter understatement. As a result, the Abbey was shut down. Not only that, Crowley was expelled from the city. I believe this is all factual, by the way. And the rest of the Thelemites scattered. But it, this wasn't the first time he was in trouble, okay? Um, there's something called the Bolskin House. He used it as a secluded area to practice his magic by the Book of Sacred Magic of Abramelin the Mage. And apparently it uh, resulted eventually in the sudden death of the housekeeper's two children. It doesn't give details. You would, He is an entire two or three episodes on himself. Let me know in feedback. Do you want me to do a special on Aleister Crowley? Because if you want to know the real deal details of all of this, it will take a little research, okay? So, as a consequence, Crowley bragged that a former drunkard employee had been under the influence of alcohol and tried to murder the rest of his family. She's not, she's just a quickie article, so it's not giving you the details. So then he lost ownership of that place, and people said it was still filled with dark energy. In 1965, there was a suicide when an army major shot, him, shot himself. And I think in the same place. And the next owner, Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin, apparently rarely spent time there, however, because uh, people think this is just a, a hearsay here. Creaks, grossly, you know, groans, ghostly apparitions, and unexplained sounds whenever he visited. Instead of leaving the land to a friend, I guess he decided to continue owning it, despite frequent attempts of Crowley fans trying to break into the place. Um, later owners would dismiss the notion of witchcraft and hauntings around the house, but there was a 2015 incident of the house enveloped in fires. The, the writing is, honey, this article is kind of weirdly written. I hate to tell you this, sweetie pie. I mean, love you. I'm sure you're a great person, but I'm getting confused. Uh, so Crowley was in disgrace. 
He was very addicted to heroin in a near skeletal state due to it, but his followers were still loyal. He also had a handful of children, um, most of them, as they would call, illegitimate, not married. He also, where I spoke, there's the Book of Toth, which I mentioned about the tarot cards that he came up with. And I think I had mentioned the Rider weight because I think he had used that as a basis, but then used Egyptian deities and changed a few things, if I remember my own episode. But okay, that was a little bit of a mess. But um, hit me up at uh, PodPinky on Twitter or Pinky underscore podcast on Instagram where I will have some photos. And I'm going to throw up some of Aleister Crowley because he looks like he's still alive in the picture and just stare, looking right into your soul. Okay? There's some crazy pictures. If you want me to do something on somebody like that or some other famous or infamous sort of person, you know, sh uh, shoot me a comment. Okay? But let's go on to the UFO stuff that I promised. You you alien people are probably just like, come on, come on. You said UFOs. Hang on. In case the aliens want to try to come and take my tongue again. Which one shall we start with? I am not kidding you. There's like a buttload, and that's a lot, by the way, depending on the butt, of, uh, of choices. I mean, shut. Here are some headlines. Uh... Former intelligence officer, Pentagon has compelling 23-minute video of UFOs moving in strange patterns. Spoonbender Yuri Geller secretly working with Americans for years to contact aliens. Oh, let's go there. Let's, let's see what that one says. Last month by Nolan Barton. Renowned Spoonbender Yuri Geller claimed he has been secretly working with the Americans for years to contact aliens. He claimed to have met German rocket engineer Werner von Braun at the National Aeronautics and Space Administration and was shown a piece of crashed, unidentified flying object. When von Braun joined the U.S. military and space programs after World War II, he quickly became one of the foremost scientists credited with developing the ballistic missile. When I met him, Werner von Braun took an object from a safe and presented it to me. He said it was a piece from a crashed UFO, Geller recalled. He wanted me to tell him what I felt from the material. I felt it wasn't terrestrial. It was metallic, elongated, and had a hue I have never seen before. When it's not terrestrial, that means it was extraterrestrial. You're probably going, duh, I know that. But, you know, just in case. Geller said, oh, Geller said the material felt like it was alive and breathing and that the surface had a pearl-like quality and that almost seemed to be three-dimensional in color. Um, I'm not sure that means what he thinks it means. Anyway, the Israeli-British psychic made the revelations after the Pentagon released its long-awaited unidentified aerial phenomena, because that's what they call it now, UAP, report to the Congress on June 25th, revealing unexplained encounters with the military of UAPs and not ruling out a possible alien origin. They didn't, they didn't confirm it either. The military has rebranded the UFO as the UAP, in part to avoid the stigma that has been attached to claims of aliens visiting the Earth. They're trying to get some distance, you guys. Geller said for years the Pentagon has known UAPs are real. They may suggest they are secret technology from China or Russia, but believe me, they know much more than this, he said. In a new biography, Geller recounted his own experience with UFO, or UAP, when he was just three years old, 
on Christmas Day of 1949 near the working-class neighborhood in Israel, where he grew up. The young Geller wandered into their backyard after hearing kittens. I would go for kittens, yeah, when a bright light suddenly appeared above and struck him, apparently activating his powers. I think he was just hit by lightning, yeah. I mean, you know, that could make, that could make you do shit. Later in life, Geller was subjected to a series of bizarre secret experiments that aimed to weaponize psychic abilities as revealed by documents from the CIA. I actually believe that because I don't know about him specifically. But they have done. They did have programs where they were testing things like remote viewing and psychic things. They actually have studied that and probably still are. During the experiments, he was asked to sit in a sealed and monitored room. One of the tests involved drawings. A word was selected at random from a dictionary. The researchers concluded Giller demonstrated his paranormal perceptual ability in a convincing and unambiguous manner. So he guessed what was on the picture. For years, I had to deny my true mission and camouflage my work, Geller said. Few people know the truth. I presume all world leaders, Obama, Trump, Netanyahu, <laughs> sorry, do know we are communicating with E.T. <laughs> the report presented to the Congress didn't reveal much, because I know you were all so disappointed. The findings were based on the review of 144 UAP reports involving observation made by the military aviators between 2004 and 2021, but mostly the last couple of years. So, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, UAPTF, which has standardized the collection and reporting of UAP sightings, considered, but opted, not to focus on a range of information on UAP described in U.S. military and intelligence community reporting for its lack of sufficient specificity. So there's some things I guess they decided wasn't good enough. Of the 144 reports, the task force could only determine an explanation for one, a deflated balloon. So 143 are unexplained, you guys. In a total of 18 events, witnesses reported unusual UAP movements, patterns, or flight characteristics. According to the report, that unusual behavior included UAP that appeared to remain stationary in winds aloft, move against the wind, maneuver abruptly, or move at considerable speed without discernible means of propulsion. In 11 instances, U.S. aviators reported dangerous near misses with UAP. The nine-page report concluded that there is currently no evidence that any of the objects are related to a secret U.S. weapons program or that they were developed by foreign adversaries. The clustering of sightings near U.S. military bases may just be the result of several kinds of collection bias. Most of the UAP probably were physical objects, since most were detected in multiple ways, including via radar, infrared, electro-optical, weapon seekers, and visual observation. There are probably multiple types of UAP, objects exhibiting unusual flight characteristics, parenthetical, like the ones which appeared to demonstrate advanced technological capabilities, could also be the result of sensor errors, spoofing or observer misperception, and require additional rigorous analysis. UAP clearly pose a risk to flight safety in the increasingly crowded skies and may pose a challenge to national security, particularly if the UAP were developed by foreign adversaries. And the U.S. needs to collect and analyze more information, consolidate reporting, and develop a more efficient way of screening and processing the reports.
In response, the military will set up an X-Files office and make recommendations to military bases. In a letter to military chiefs, Secretary of Defense Kathleen Hicks said, all members of the department will utilize these processes to ensure the UAPTF or its follow-up activity has reports of UAP observation within two weeks of an occurrence. Follow UFOs News for more news and information related to UFOs and UAPs. Okay, now wait a second. I got it. I got it. I just... Ooh, okay, another headline. Oh, there's so many to choose from, you guys. I will totally put the link to this um, website in the show notes. Mysterious two-legged creatures prowl a beach community in Brazil. This was uh, 6-4-2021 by Virgilio Marin. Shall we get into this one? Mysterious chimp-like creatures are prowling the streets of it's a okay, back up. It's a Perica Island in the state of Bahia in eastern Brazil. In one of two pictures shared on Twitter, a diminutive bipedal creature sporting unusually long arms can be seen on the move at night. The second photo shows what appears to be two adults walking alongside a juvenile creature. All three of them also look small and chimp-like. I don't see the pictures here so far. Why are you not showing the pictures? No one knows what the creatures are because the pictures are cast in shadow. Ah. But a running theory is that the critters are simply wild chimps or some other kind of primates who have been enticed to explore the deserted area. Well, it was probably on Twitter first, so yeah, who knows. Another theory is that two-legged interlopers are cryptids or creatures such as Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster, whose existence has never been proven. Skeptics, on the other hand, think that the photos are probably just a hoax. Yeah, probably. But image editing specialist Francisco Patricio says that the pictures do not appear to be edited. The first one is very well done because of the shadows. The animal is against the light. And in the second, it's very difficult to identify even the existence of a shadow because it is not illuminated. A reverse image search also shows that the pictures have never appeared in any other context, at least as far as that search. You can't tell if they are false or true. However, low-resolution photos are perfect for optical illusion. Mm -hmm. It's called matrixing, visual matrixing. You can dress up and go in the dark so that it's easy to create something that looks real, and in your head you can too. The setting is also disputed. There's a sign hanging on a church wall in one of the pictures which appears to be written in Arabic. I, I can't see the pictures here, so I can't say. But most people online believe that the creatures are roaming the streets of Ilha de oh, Misericordia and Itaparica. Yeah? Okay. Some islanders suspect that the images are part of a clever ploy to scare residents into following a curfew. When the pictures were posted on March 3rd, so these go back to being first seen on March 3rd, many Brazilian states, including Bahia, were under tight restrictions because of the uh, COVID-19. Yeah. So, <laughs> I believe it is some beast trying to scare people, said a resident. And we'll skip the rest of that article because they go into something else. So that was kind of interesting. What other? There are so many headlines here, it's not even funny. The UFOs that military members spotted in restricted American airspace could be alien technology, according to Christopher Mellon, former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, 
under former presidents Bill Clinton and George W. Bush. I think this was already big news. Uh, he did an interview with Chris Cuomo. So I'm sorry if you're upset and you didn't hear it, but I'm going to skip it. There was something else that I thought was, there was other really good headlines. Let's see. Former British cop Gary Heseltin claims that the UFOs spotted by the military came from undersea bases built and operated by aliens. <gasps> we have Atlantis, y'all. I was waiting for it. UFOs are often seen coming in and out of the water, so suspect that in our deepest oceans and trenches, we may well have aliens, alien bases. Heseltin, who spent six years working with the Royal Air Force Police and more than two decades with British, British Transport Police, told The Sun. It's The Sun. <laughs> yeah. That sounds crazy, but if you think about it, we only know 5% of the oceans. He has a point. We know more about the surface of the moon or Mars than our own oceans. Again, he does have a point. So that would seem to me why UFOs are seen regularly coming in and out of the water. Last month, are they regularly coming in and out of the water? I don't feel like the, most of the stories I read say that, but then I probably don't, maybe I don't read as many as he does. Last month, investigative filmmaker Jeremy Corbell leaked a video showing a UFO that seemed to have disappeared into the ocean. The video, which was taken aboard a Navy stealth ship in 2019, I think I remember this, featured an aircraft flying above the water off the coast of San Diego before plunging into the sea. Officials speaking in the video video could be heard saying that the object oh my god the object splashed the department of defense confirmed that the footage was taken by navy personnel but declined to give more details for national security reasons <laughs> i wish i could claim that on everything well i'm just not going to say anything for you know security reasons Corbell said that a submarine had been dispatched to look for the object, but failed to find any sign of it. Heseltine opined that such UFOs tend to dwell where there are nuclear weapons. Huh. There is a massive correlation between UFOs being seen near nuclear facilities, whether it's nuclear aircraft carriers, nuclear sub submarines, nuclear weapon storage areas, or power plants. He noted that if the Third World War were to break out, it would pollute the world's oceans, affecting the supposed alien habitats undersea. It's as if they're saying, we don't like nuclear weapons, so they show up. Maybe they realize we could destroy this beautiful planet. Dude, I, uh, let's not get into the um, nuclear energy uh, argument, but... Places like France and other places have been using it for, it's clean, it's efficient, it's, I mean, yeah, we could destroy the planet with a lot of things. We are destroying the planet. But anyway, I think what I'm really thinking is, is that aliens from other planets probably have harnessed the power and use it quite well. Like if we're supposed to believe they're so advanced, right? So yeah, I don't know. Much is still unknown about the military's recent UFO sightings, but Heseltine is confident that the renewed interest in UFOs will eventually show that these mysterious objects have an extraterrestrial origin. And we're not going to read the rest of that article, because most of these I'm noticing you can get the really important stuff right at the top. So, there's someone else here that uh, also says that uh extra extraterrestrial contact will happen soon and from water rather than air so other other people agree with this uh, so 
Shall we move on now? What else do we have? What else do we have? What else do we have? All right, and I'm back. You never knew I was gone, so you couldn't miss me, right? I think I came across a couple of things to appropriately finish up this whacked out episode. I totally should have done this live, except that I don't think anybody would have uh, shown up. So... <laughs> Anyway, I am now at something called WPDH.com. It's 101.5, so I guess it's a radio station, but they have, this is the home of rock and roll, but there are also some stories here. Uh, yeah, I see DJs, this and that. Okay, so, but I, I got to read you a, a couple of things here. I was attacked by female Bigfoot. New York man makes preposterous assault claim. This was published August 16, 2021, by Brian. A dog trainer in western New York claims that he was sexually molested by a female Bigfoot in one of the most bizarre, not-safe-for-work, five-minute videos I've ever seen. Apparently, this video has been floating around the internet for a while now, and it's been viewed probably a million times. And please, don't ask what kind of rabbit hole I went down that led me to find this, it's the internet, and things like this pop up all the time. What? They don't pop up for you? That's him, by the way. He's just funny like me. Peter Kane from Beaver's Dam, New York, says he's a dog trainer, but I can't figure out. He's the most whacked-out human being on the planet, an unhinged comedian, or just really, really, really unfortunate. And while I would never undermine anyone who makes a sexual assault claim, I think it's safe to say that Kane might be a little more cockeyed than the guy you see wearing a tinfoil hat, shouting at people through a megaphone that you must rip all the wires out of your house so the government can't listen to your thoughts. Kane claims that he was out in the woods by a dry creek bed when he heard some rustling in the trees. Thinking that it was one of his dogs, he examined further. And that's when he claims a female Bigfoot, or a she-squatch, came after him, ripped his clothes off, and began doing all sorts of inexplicable things to him and his sass crotch. I wish I could take credit for that. <laughs> sass crotch. Oh, Brian, whoever you are here, that's funny. Uh, while I won't get into specifics of the ordeal, let's just say that she tore into his Jack Link's like she hadn't eaten in weeks. I know what it's like when I get hangry, but this is on a whole other level, and according to Kane, she was seven or eight feet tall and had quite the voracious appetite. I'm going to inject here and say, well, maybe it's because we have so much trouble actually finding Bigfoot that it's really a problem. She's out here going, dude, I cannot find a mate, and I'm so freaking horny. <laughs> you know what, little hairless pink thing? with the funny square, what is that, plaid? Is that what you all call that? You'll do. You know what? You'll do, okay? Any port in a storm, get your ass over here. <laughs> the acting in this goofy video is so spot on. The pain he wears in his expression so authentic. For a split second, ah, never mind. I'll never be able to unhear him saying, I can't get clean. I can't get clean. Here's a link to the video, and I'm warning you ahead of time, not safe for work. So, okay, you guys, I will put this, I will, I haven't watched it yet. I will put this in the show notes as well. So you can go to this website, 
Actually, I'm just going to put WPDH.com. You can look at this article and choose whether or not to click on this link. That way you won't go straight to the video with no preparation, okay? <laughs> uh, so he goes on to say, I'm still waiting for part two, but much like Bigfoot, it appears to be non-existent. Kane did leave us with the ultimate cliffhanger when he added, she could be pregnant with my child. <laughs> now that would make one hairy sequel. <laughs> I could stop there. I should stop there. But okay, we'll go back to some UFOs. On December 9, 1965, in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, a large object streaked across the sky, seen by thousands in nearby counties and states. The object, described as a clay acorn the size of a Volkswagen with Egyptian hieroglyphics running around the base, how do you see that if it's speeding by? It, it streaked across the sky. So how do you know that? Okay. <laughs> Just saying. Crash. Oh, did they go up to the crash site? Sure. Okay, let's find out. Shortly outside of Kecksburg, only to be immediately secured by soldiers. So I am back to, how the fuck do you know I had hieroglyphics on it? Oh, you saw a symbol and you just assumed, right? Right. Okay. The military claim that, had nothing, that nothing had crashed or been removed and all reports to the contrary were false. You know, military going to military. Yeah, sure. Many associate the event with the Roswell UFO crash, going as far to dub it Pennsylvania's Roswell. Are you sure about that, dude? Because I've never heard that. Kentucky Air National Guard pilot Captain Thomas Mantell was sent to investigate a UFO sighted near Fort Knox on January 7, 1948. These are just, I'm realizing these are just random sightings. Mantell's pursuit ended in flames. The pilot pursued the object at too high an altitude, blacked out from lack of oxygen, and spiraled out of control. The government later revealed that the UFO was, in fact, another classified weather balloon from Project Skyhook. I've mentioned that before. <laughs> this explanation, however, did little to calm public nerves, and previous of the potential for extraterrestrial life began shifting to fear of an otherworldly hostile takeover. Yeah, every damn movie except for like E.T. and um, uh, uh, the one with that Bridges dude. I actually really liked that one. Starman. Yeah, like they're the only two I can think of that didn't want to come and do terrible things to us or take over or just kill us. And now moving on to the next one. Long Island, Long Island has become a hotspot for UFO sightings over the last decade with the number of reported events in Suffolk County on the rise. A cluster of yellow lights flying over Sands Point has caught the public's attention, though police and other investigators are still struggling to explain the sightings. Morristown UFO hoax. January 1st, 2009, involved reports of five red lights in the sky. Two men later took credit for the lights, claiming that they had been conducting a social experiment to prove the faultiness in eyewitness accounts for such an event. Okay, I was going to stop there, but now I keep scrolling. I just keep scrolling. One of the few encounters with UFOs to result in civil court proceedings, the Cash Landrum incident occurred on the evening of December 29, 1980, outside of Dayton, Texas, as Betty Cash and Vicki and Colby Landrum were driving home for dinner. The witnesses allege that they saw a diamond-shaped spacecraft burst into flames, expelling a tremendous amount of heat as it struggled to remain in the air. 
Cash observed it for some time before it was able to right itself and return to higher altitudes, where it was then surrounded by helicopters later identified as tandem rotor CH-47 Chinooks. Health problems akin to ionizing radiation later arose in all three eyewitnesses, leading them to sue the U.S. government for $20 million. The case was later dismissed for lack of evidence that the tandem rotor CH-47 Chinooks were even related to the U.S. government. Oh, come on! I mean, of course, right? We, we all have one of those lying about. I, I know I'm looking out the window at my Chinook right now. I'm going to take a little buzz around this afternoon. Yeah, it'd be get loaded up. It'd be good times, good times, good times. 2011 Vancouver UFO sighting. Several individuals reported sightings of a saucer-like object flowing over Vancouver on February 20th, 2011, which remained unsolved for months. The UFO was revealed to be a Chinese-made kite made out of parachute fabric, embedded with hundreds of multicolor LED lights in a triangle shape, standing seven and a half feet tall with a wingspan of 13 feet. <laughs> do, sh where are we on this? Are you still with me? Oh, well, we need to do one from Europe. The Valensolet UFO incident. In Valensolet, France, former Maurice Massé, observed the touchdown of an overstructure standing on four legs in a nearby field on July 1st, 1965. No, I'm not really trying to do a good French accent. Okay, that's my excuse. So go ahead and make fun of it. Walking towards it, he encountered two short gray figures with large tapered heads and eyes who pointed an apparatus at him, freezing him in his tracks. The figures then flew the spacecraft away, leaving... Masse frozen in place for 20 minutes. This story is considered a classic UFO encounter with Masse's good character confirmed by authorities in the area. So they, they believe him. Now, I did a little episode where I covered this. Uh, one of the more infamous, famous one is definitely Betty and Barney Hill. They were a couple from New Hampshire who claimed to have been abducted by aliens on the night of September 19th, 1961, in the height of the whole UFO craze, right? They say they were taken by short gray men in uniforms onto saucer-like aircraft and that they went through examinations. They were um, put under hypnosis separately, right, to, uh, to try to fill in the gaps and remember it. And they had the same story. Um, if you look that one up, it's very famous and it's actually even some of the details have been used uh, on an episode of the X-Files unsurprisingly and even American Horror Story so this is pretty fascinating you know, they've got some good stuff just all listed out here if you I like it because it's kind of like a list with a quick synopsis and then you could google from here if you wanted to hell I could probably mine this for podcast episodes right the RB-47 High-altitude strate strategic bomber jet possessed the most advanced electronic intelligence equipment at the time, but was unprepared for a flyby with a passing saucer, culminating in one of the most discussed UFO sightings of the last century. In the early morning of July 17, 1957, the radar of an RB-47 over the southern U.S. picked up an unexplained blip before both the pilot and crew of the plane witnessed a blinding blue 
flight. Authorities were quick to dismiss the sighting as an airliner, but this claim was quickly ridiculed by the public. We could just go down this rabbit hole all day. Warren Air Force Base, Kelly Hopsville encounter. Oh, yeah, this is what, oh, I'll read you this one real quick. It's, these are just synopsis. Kelly Hopkinsville encounter is one of the first documented alleged encounters with extraterrestrial beings, like as far as creatures. Residents of a farmhouse arrived at a local police station on October 21st. Oh, we have an anniversary coming. We had an anniversary, 1955, claiming that figures from a flying spaceship were attempting to gain access to their house. And police do report that there were bullet holes in the sides of the home, but no evidence of intruders. They ultimately credited meteors and great horned owls as the alleged little green men. And we've seen the owl motif used many times. And shout out to my Twin Peaks fans. Yeah, okay. I think we'll end there. We'll end with the owls. We'll end with the Twin Peaks. We'll end with the... So there you go. There was my off-the-cuff, unrehearsed, unwritten, unresearched, ridiculous, not quite live, almost live podcast of random shit that Sherry finds on the internet. Not totally random. I mean, I did Google for UFOs and paranormal. I have, I discovered there are a lot of websites that just crawl. I think they crawl the internet and, and pick up anything that mentions these. So I hope that you had fun. I had fun. I got to where I didn't even pay attention to outside too much. I think there was a horn at one point, but it's probably appropriate. And the aliens seem to have given my tongue back towards the latter half of this uh, episode. So that's good. I, I, you know, I think the fluctuations are, they're good. It's pretty good. Not so bad this time. Next week, I have no idea what I'll come back with, but I just wanted to relax a little bit more this week and not, not have to dig things up and, so I hope you enjoyed that. If you did, tell me because I would be happy to do more of these. This is, it's a little bit like when I did, was doing my mini pods, you know, I would just pick a story or two and do something really short. So today I just decided to do several, several things that I found because I'm at about an hour here and I think that's pretty good. I think it's good. What do you think? Oh, and let me know. Also, if I should do Crowley or something like that, I actually have also been thinking about doing something about W.B. Yeats because he was involved in uh, the Golden Dawn and other things. And of course, he's also a very, you know, he's a poet, but there's a lot of things about his own personal life that are actually pretty fascinating. You know, so I'm thinking about things. Hit me up on Twitter at PodPinky. Find me on Instagram, Pinky underscore podcast. Come to my official website pinkysquarepress.com for my books and my photographs. You know, I have, I do a lot of things. I am also on the Facebooks and I have patreon.com slash pinkysquarepress. Please come and let's try to join. We can talk about shit like this and it would be so much fun. <laughs> and if not, just review me on Apple podcast and wherever. Tell your friends, share, help me out, help get the word out. And I hope everybody's uh, doing okay out there. Nobody's sick. I hope we're all making it through this never-ending COVID stress 
I know we're all stressed. We're all stressed, right? We all have PTSD and it's not even post yet. Um, and this is the only thing I'm going to say about it. Just remember that we're all going through some shit. So try to have some patience. It's very, it's very difficult at times. I know I'm saying this just as much to myself. Have some patience, be kind, especially to the people who are trying to serve you and entertain you and keep the world going. Okay. Love ya. Thanks for listening. And I hope this was fun for you. Boop, boop.